Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Amory Score. I am Jackson. I am joined by Molly, as usual. Hi. Hi, Molly. How's it going? I'm doing okay. How are you? I'm all right. We have a guest. We have a guest. That's you, Hannah. Hello, That's you. Hannah. Yes, I'm the guest. Hi, I'm the guest it's on the Amory Hannah Score. It's Hannah from online. Welcome. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you. Um... Hannah is part of our Patreon reward system and all mapping was like, I need to let make you do this. Uh, if you want to be on any of the shows on uh, the network, then just go there and you can sign up and do that. Uh, and that's how this happened. What did you use your power to make us do? Uh, yeah, I actually started this as a complete joke. Uh, I just thought that it would be funny to tweet going to pay Jackson and Molly an exorbitant sum of money to force them to make an episode of the Avery score about the novelty song that Coheed and Cambria recorded about Antonin Scalia. And um, I just doubled down that, way too many times. And then you just did that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you, you, you said it ironically, but you thought it so much that you were like, oh shit, it's real now. There were several points at which I could have backed out for this, but... <laughs> Like, we're recording right now. I can see the waveforms happening. It's officially too late. It's way too late. And we appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah. And you know what? I think everybody else should make this series of decisions as well. Like, (laughs) think of a funny joke. Think of an ironic thing that you could make Jackson and Molly record a podcast about. And then just do it. There's a very limited there's a very limited number of topics left for what they can get us to talk about on this podcast specifically. And I already plan on covering the Joker Man song, so you know Uh, I mean I guess we could do it for someone's like, please I want to talk about Prize Fighter, whoever you are. Somebody out there has to. Somebody out there who's a Coheed fan, uh, and a Prize Fighter fan, somebody has to be, uh, is like, please, I need you to cover my brother's blood machine. You can also pay them an exorbitant amount of money to cover the graphic novels that Chandra and Claudio wrote together called Kill Audio. Please, no. No, please. You could do that, but please, I'd no. really, really rather you didn't. <laughs> I, I want to stay as far away from Kill Audio as possible. I have no idea what it even, is, except that just seems Even really though bad. somebody did cast, shout out to Cass again, sent me multiple volumes of that comic. I have not looked at them. I'm scared. <laughs> Uh, we also got a very kind um, DM today uh, from Dupe um, that was just, hey, I have a 2005 AP article uh, about Cohen and Cambria. Do you want to read it? And I'm like, that's the best DM I've ever got. Of course I do. <laughs> of course I do. <laughs> of course I do. Like, what an incredible thing to offer. Yes. Um, we read it. That's incredible. Uh, basically, we're just going to talk to Hannah about this stuff for about an hour or so. Um so it'll be a much looser episode next week, uh, or next week. Next time we'll probably get back to um, the next album. I guess we still don't really know how we're going to handle this. Um, presumably much shorter episodes. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, everybody. <laughs> but there's also, no, there's no comic. It's your sacred uh, we, responsibility now to figure out whether he burns Star Four. We have to we discuss must. whether or not he burns Star Four, and then we have to read a book. Then we have to read a book. I hate reading, but I will. You'll do it. I'll I mean, do it. Claudio confesses he is piss poor at it. <laughs> In this 2005 uh, article, he does say, I might need to hire a novelist. I'm really bad at that kind of writing. Enter David Sanchez. What? Peter I think David? It, no, Peter David. I'm sorry. I got mixed up. His Peace. brother, David Sanchez. Oh, hi, guys. I'm David Sanchez. 
I've been off yeah. screen this whole time. Mysteriously <laughs> that's, absent that's from uh, the second stage Turbine Blade family was David. <laughs> was I'm David Kilgannon. He moved out and went to college. <laughs> I'm Michael Sarah. <laughs> he was busy being in Juno. Michael Sarah is the crowing. <laughs> Perfect casting. Yep. So, anyway, anyway, we have a little uh, list of topics in in the Discord that Hannah sent that I now have to scroll up past the picture of an ugly Kingdom Hearts character and iced tea uh, and some audio <laughs> troubles. You'd be nice to uh, Demix Kingdom Hearts. Uh-huh. Uh huh. There we go. I've gone to the list. Um, so we've got a few things to talk about. This will be a fun episode, fun, nice, chill episode uh, with our friend Hannah from online. <laughs> I don't know why that's I keep call calling it. that. It's funny. That's what they call her. It's Hannah from online. Yeah, that's my official name. I'm just here. I'm going to double down on that as well and change my Twitter display name to that. <laughs> <laughs> Good. Perfect. Thank you. Um, but uh, Hannah, your first topic, I, because we taught me and you talked about this before, your quick yeah. two cents on some of the good Apollo comic stuff that left us baffled last episode. Please shed some light, please. Yeah. Uh, I think a, a good question that you guys raised was why the hell did he kill or why the hell did they kill Erica off, right? Because, um, like, the whole point of it is that 10 speed is like, well, you don't have to kill off the real wife, you just got to kill off the fake wife. But I think that that's where my theory on the reasoning comes in. That to Chandra, who is the writer of the comic now, Erica isn't the real wife, she's the fake me. And so mm. I would... I would hypothesize that Chandra is kind of buying into this ethos of uh, you gotta you gotta kill the fake wife as this therapeutic mechanism. And my evidence for the idea she's buying into this ethos is that she wrote a good Apollo comic. So wait, so wait, <laughs> we are entering I, the I fourth layer, the fourth layer of this comic. Yeah, I can't do. It. I cannot cross this bridge. Shansha kills the fake wife of the character who killed his fake wife. I mean, like, like, we talked about this last time of the idea of like, what? What if it is a thing? Um, uh, like the point of it would be to say that the violence done towards fictional women has real world consequences. You know, actually hashtag woke claudio moment uh but i just don't buy it because it's too the imagery is too gratuitous it's too like yeah dead woman look at it he murdered her he's crazy like it doesn't uh the fact that the writer is just completely evil and bad i think is what distances that right there's no uh critique there it's just this guy was so evil he did all the murder look at that Uh, it doesn't like draw the line to make that a thing that happened because of misogyny or because of um the way fictional people bear the trauma of their real life counterparts. I just think it was trying to be edge lordy. Yeah. I think yeah, it's a very valid very possible too. that that's that's the case. Um I I feel like I had something funny to say, but I forgot it, so Hit me up with the that. funny jokes. Hit me up with the jokes. You got a joke? Whenever Molly, I Molly, I heard you had a joke. <laughs> <laughs> uh if I ever find the joke, um I'll let you know. Hit them up on uh, headfallsoff on twitter.com with your funniest jokes. Wait, just send your funniest jokes to me. 
<laughs> send me yep, your funniest yep. jokes so I can yeah, take some uh, subsuming the funny accounts moments tab on twitter.com <laughs> <laughs> the, the worst day is if I end up on that tab I'm nowhere near the level of uh, like to end up you have to have like 20,000 followers and, and get retweeted all the time with your funny funny jokes but what a hell tab if you end up there that's just you know, that's it you're yeah, done, you're done. It's really you gotta, you gotta start a new account I, I sometimes did... I see I did get a tweet um, at one point that got enough mentions that it landed in one of those, like, the 50 funniest tweets of this week roundup. Oh, same. I got into... Pace, pay us. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I've got into the Pace one before. I think mine was the one about the Matrix Reloaded, which I was not joking. That same for the Matrix Reloaded rules. I wasn't doing irony. Uh, I have not been inducted into the Paste uh, 50 Best Tweets Hall of Fame yet. I, I don't think day, they do it anymore. Maybe I'll make a good tweet one day. <laughs> maybe I'll make a post online. <laughs> maybe I'll make a good post online, but I haven't figured out what one is going to be it yet. So I want to get my karma up. <laughs> I need I need upvotes. Please help me. Help me up with his upvotes. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I don't know. The, the the end of that comic is so fucking wild. I don't. Mm, not a. Not it's a just big not a good fan. look. And like as it's much just, as yeah, I can it's just bad. Try to like rationalize it. Like my real actual opinion is just you know fuck these assholes. Like Erica was my favorite character, and I know that like she Mayo, did nothing. Got tied to a chair and died. Mayo is the most like, <laughs> exciting and entertaining and fun character, but like I. I did still f- am so fucking mad. Oh yeah, that's that's the other great injustice, of course. Um, that's why. Jesse, that's why they delayed. Mayo. That's why they delayed the comic for six months. They heard us talk about how excited we were about Mayo, and they're like, "We have to fix this. We cannot let them have this." No, I mean we are the leading form of Cohen and Cambria Amory score criticism online. We are the uh, best. The only Cohen and Cambria podcast on the internet. Yeah, Jackson, None of the other ones did it exist. Again. You said Amory score when you meant Amory yeah, Wars. I, I know. Thank you for <laughs> thank you for uh, picking up. And I was like, oh, I may have slipped that past everyone. <laughs> yeah, it just I it just washes over me at this point. Well, see, now it is like, okay, an Amory yes. score criticism podcast because I just criticized you for <laughs> for our shitty read of the head of the yeah. That's fair. I assume uh, the other code podcast is an Amory score criticism podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I was, should go back and no- listen. There were no podcasts on the internet, and then we suddenly made one that was dunking on them, and suddenly there was an official Coheed and Cambria fan cast around. <laughs> hmm. Hmm. Yeah, we didn't mean to call here. you out like this, but uh, the, the 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 story is has is problematic to say the least. It's it's problematic. It's maybe uh maybe they should do some more thinking before writing. I'm Never. just saying that does not address not my name. The... <laughs> <laughs> does not address the problems with the story and instead embraces them and says oh isn't it so cute when he calls her mama when it's very gross actually i'm not gonna call out the other podcast but yes that is wrong i guess i will you can, <laughs> <laughs> you can bleep that if you want i will be bleeping the name bleep me out. as if anyone could figure out what it is <laughs> <laughs> one of the many go here to Cambria podcasts we have <laughs> beef <laughs> I don't actually have any ill will towards the real Cohen and Cambria fandom. I think you're fucking wrong, but that's okay. I think a lot of people are wrong. A lot of people are wrong. It's okay. <laughs> a lot like, of fandoms listen, out there. I still, I... I just want to go to a concert and have a good time. Like I'll still sing the bad songs. It's okay. 
Yeah, I will show up there with you. We can be one as we yell out the bad lyrics. <laughs> nobody nobody will know it's us, though. That's the thing. We have to stay anonymous online. That's why I have this uh, little cute Pokemon tiger as my avatar rather than me. Uh, I'm me, but I'm just uh, like uh, quite a lot fatter now. So oh, damn. Well, <laughs> it's a good know. disguise. I, I've t- I told you about the... Um, Girl of the Kahit show who was really furious with me and my yes. friend, right? Yes. <laughs> Does Hannah know about this? Yeah, yeah. I think, I think so. I think it was on the like podcast. Last episode? Was it on the podcast? Okay, good. Yeah. Oh, it was on the last episode. Good. I oh, wonder what song it's so funny. Be. What song is it going to be? Well, man, what will it be? <laughs> that was such a funny show. <laughs> it's the best thing in the world. They played it. Far and Pearl of the Stars right next to each other. Oh, Did no. you see them on that tour when they were like bringing out the acoustic guitar? No, the first time I saw them on tour was the Aftermath tour. Oh, that's a much better yeah. album. The tour. Oh, it was a great, yeah, great tour. Yeah. Uh, speaking of Kohi doing an acoustic guitar song, thank you yeah. for picking up what I was putting down. Got you the guys hear that uh, a couple years ago they recorded a song called "I Descent," partnering with FunnyOrDie.com. <laughs> It says here. Yeah. Uh, just <laughs> reading their not- press release, their official. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so I I don't know exactly how the Genesis idea happened, um, and like I unfortunately I wasn't able to like find any interviews with them on the subject. But my guess about how it would happen is that either they noticed themselves or somebody joked to them that like huh, in these recent two cases about the Affordable Care Act and gay marriage, uh, Justice Antonin Scalia uh, issued some dissenting opinions that had some really flowery language that sound kind of like Coheed lyrics. And they Well, Farrell, huge Coheed fan. <laughs> Jumped on that yeah. ball. I, in my head, it's the funny or die came up with that independently and then had to like, no, we should send an email to the code and Cambria. We're not going to have jobs in a couple of years. Fuck it. <laughs> uh, so yes. So Cody and Cambria have recorded a song where they just like piece together a bunch of words uh, and, and phrases from uh, Anthony Scalia's dissenting opinions on the affordable care act and the, the gay marriage passing. And this was released like two days after uh, the gay marriage ruling uh, from the SCOTUS. So uh, it was, listen, we were all having a good time. Everybody was pretty happy about the situation. I wasn't. Uh, I mean, Jackson wasn't, but I think uh, some other people were. Um, and then... I just remember those days of being like, re- a lot of people on Twitter being really grumpy about like the queers who got theirs and are going to all fuck off. And guess what happened? Yep. Oh yeah, I mean like totally, that is extremely what happened. And I was also grumpy about it at the time. But listen, there's sometimes there's a little bit of, there's a little bit of happiness in there. Everybody, listen, I'm just trying to paint a picture of what the year twenty whatever, 15. fifteen, I thought it was that, was like. Uh and everybody was just a little bit happier. Yeah. Uh, it was a time anyway, for dunks. It was a time for dunks. For sweet um, dunks. Anyway, I'm just really glad that Anton and Skaya lived exactly long enough to see people get health care and gay marriage before he just fucking died. Uh, just so he could see those two awful things happen before he fucking died. Has anyone noticed that Anton's going to need a claim to be pro-life? <laughs> <laughs> and then he fucking died anyway. And then he goes to the coin star. <laughs> <laughs> it's just not working. <laughs> it just never works. <laughs> Yeah, so I'm gonna I'm gonna levy a controversial theory here, which is that um, the last thing that Scalia did is he actually heard the song "I Descent," 
and it was just too powerful of a dunk on him. <laughs> it just it just got him. It just stopped his heart immediately. It was <laughs> it was those panels from House of M. Yeah. But, uh, uh, yeah, I Descent is definitely within their established mode at this point of the soft, slow, sensitive, acoustic coheed song. Uh, and I gotta say, at least from my perspective, it's one of the best in that mode. And, like, that's faint praise, to be clear. Like, they're not good at it, by and large. But I no. actually really enjoy this song. I kind of do, too. I think it's pretty good. I think the songwriting of the song is fine. The thing we are talking around is that Coheed are a bad acoustic kind of band because it's still Claudio singing. And yeah. like whatever you think about Claudio's voice, I, I have got used to it. It's not my favorite, but it's, you know, it's fine. Um, it, to work, it really needs the like big sound of a band behind it. Well, yeah, because he uh, oversings. Doing the sensitive acoustic songs is not as not as good a match. He, he oversings everything, and he's never met one syllable that he couldn't turn into four. <laughs> <laughs> and at least in that song that's part of the joke this song is part yes, of the joke for sure. absolutely um i don't know i think the acoustic stuff's kind of okay sometimes just depends on what it is well no but i mean we've, we've talked about this um, let's everyone talk about the most important part of Kohit's recent acoustic stuff and that is josh josh oh my, my man God, so good <laughs> there so- is nothing better <laughs> Josh loves nothing more than just smacking some tables, dude. He just loves bopping on boxes. <laughs> They've done a, m- many acoustic sets, uh, and while Chris Penny was in the band, the, he did, the drummer just didn't show up to the acoustic gigs because, you know, he's a drummer. He doesn't need to. Uh, this, Josh shows up for everyone, usually with an egg shaker and a tambourine, <laughs> sometimes with a cajon, uh, and he'll just be playing the shit of that cajon. Josh <laughs> is the only guy who's excited to play a cajon ever. It's, oh, it's the most charming right. thing ever. He's the best. And I, I woke uh, up in a cold rolls. sweat a couple days ago uh, thinking about the idea of Chris Penny uh, showing up to one of these acoustic recordings with like a <laughs> pile of 12 empty barrels and uh, crates <laughs> and like an entire spice rack worth of shakers and just going to town <laughs> on them. Uh-huh. He's just did the whole band by himself. <laughs> uh, Chris Penny, you suck. Anyway... Anti-Chris Penny Regretta's here. Hannah is the Chris Penny defense force. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, here's the thing. And even then. Even then. Like, I, I like complicated drumming, um, and I like, you know, complicated rhythms. But I, the idea of a five-minute drum solo, which you guys mentioned, like, a couple episodes ago, like, mm-hmm. that was my come-to-Jesus moment as far as being like, oh, maybe this guy <laughs> does suck ass. Yeah. Five-minute drum solo, I... but he can't even shake an egg shaker. <laughs> Get the fuck out of here. Yeah. Um, I think that uh, he... I, I, I'm not against, like, complicated drumming or anything like that. I just think that he's a fucking show-off asshole, uh, and that's most of my problem. Yeah, for sure. But yes, uh, this is a song that, like, the joke of it is... Uh, <laughs> it looks better only because there is another one of these. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, I'm I'm amazed. Okay, so which is um, even more end of history than this one. Oh yes. my god! Yeah, I don't. 
see what the point was behind that one necessarily doing the second i was talking to jackson before you jumped in here about how the second one is like so much worse on just like a political level Mm -hmm. uh and making a song out of that is such a bad idea uh but anyway um so how do we want to do this you want to go to your next point here and we could talk about claudio's actual politics yeah Uh, yeah or what we can suss out about them because my because my guess is centrist but yeah, I, he's he's definitely the sort of centrist who thinks he's on the left, I would guess. Um, you know, like, he For certainly sure. knows to dunk on somebody who didn't want Obamacare and somebody who didn't want gay marriage. Um, and, like, I looked for other type of political or political adjacent activity that he's been doing. Um, he and Chandra recently released an EP with all proceeds going to relief for uh hurricane maria victims in puerto rico um and you know like i think it probably was a little intentional that somebody i want to say travis was wearing an against me shirt in their uh second acoustic political recording Um, okay yeah so like i think that he at the very least thinks of himself as like you know being on the right side of history being progressive etc um yeah I mean, yeah, yeah. Yes. I, I think you could still be a weird gross misogynist oh, and try to be a leftist but like I think that, that, that's that's I think the that whole thing sense. right like you know you guys have mentioned before that a lot of the story of coheed and cambria is the gradual social laundering of misogyny and how it starts with this like very adolescent process of like i'm gonna fucking kill this girl and um you know evolves into but don't we all want to fucking kill this girl? Isn't that the darkness <laughs> in the hearts of all men? And then eventually, you know, kind of uh, evolves into something like this, where kind of on an explicit sense, like he is like saying the right woke things, but um, then he just, you know, continues to write the exact same concept album stuff over and over again. Well, it, it, it shifts because it becomes less about, well, don't we all want to kill the women? And the like... Look at Al the killer. He's killing all these women. Ah, and it's a lot more like, you know, when you're on tour. <laughs> oh yeah, that's you a don't thing know as well. who she fucking. One thing that I you found, don't know um, is uh, when I was looking for information on like Coheed's politics, um, and if he had like you know made any statements that like done any interviews accompanying the song. Um, is I saw a incredibly earnest forum thread where somebody was trying to parse the lyrics to the dark sentencer and being like, guys, I think Claudio is coming out against prison privatization in a really big way. <laughs> Not since um, Sesame Down's prison song has an album began <laughs> with such an explicit... Such a, uh, such a thesis statement. And that's Claudia coming out and being like, you're trying to build our present. They're trying to build our present. It's so beautiful. Cause like, I'll, I will confess, like I was not convinced, but I was at least like willing to entertain the possibility that like, hold on, is he going to like write an album about this serious issue in a really stupid way? But like, is he going yeah. to at least try to do that? But no, no, the, the, the detention zones at a galaxy that have been privatized by the five star sectors of the star <laughs> supremacy. Uh, that's just going on tour. He's just guilty about something that he uh, intends to do over and over you know again. You know what's fucked up is he never says star supremacy on that album. I think he should have. 
Well, like you're, you're talking outside of the, um, uh, like the, the outside intro? of like the opening. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I think he. I think he should have sung "Star Supremacy." Yeah, I think it's a very co. It's a very coheed line to sing. Yeah, "Star I, Supremacy." I he... The world does not expect logic and poetry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, I, I yeah. Think... So, uh, I just sent a powerful statement against Anson and Scalia's weak ass fucking asshole politics uh, powerful statement against Anton Scalia being alive being alive <laughs> so, <laughs> thank god they did that but um, at the end of the day it's like definitely that like fucking ally thing where this means nothing you made a song after the thing happened and then like it wasn't even your own work good job I guess yeah thanks like, for your know, allyship it is that whole ethos of dunks right or it's just like the moment anything happens that like you can interpret as a victory, it's just like, you know, let's all clap, let's all laugh about it, let's all just like have a fun time of camaraderie. And it's like, mm, you know, the the work here isn't close to done. And uh, you know, like the fact that he later recorded a follow up about Mitch McConnell's obstructionism of the nomination of Merrick Garland to the Supreme Court, um, and you know we all know how that turned out. Like, there is think, such a bitter end to this whole story. The thing that Hannah is saying is that these videos definitely ended up at least one point in the Hamilton Slack. Oh, <laughs> oh God, they absolutely did. They absolutely did end up in the Hamilton Slack, uh, the famous BuzzFeed Hamilton Slack. Uh, but they definitely have the same kind of atmosphere and energy. Uh, of the look at the song that shows how far we've come but also is like owning these um idiots who cannot get with the times and now they're going to die uh it, it is weird to look at the ephemera of the like uh just the late obama era right and realize that this is still happening when the tone of the actual conversation uh had definitely changed people were not actually this kind of like hopeful and we've won in a, you know because people were poor uh that that was like con- contained to a very small upper class percentage of society uh that thought everything was fine and was getting better and you know look how well that went as a like thesis and ideology to motivate people <laughs> did not go well yeah um yeah, yeah. I mean, you, you talked earlier about how it's very end of history, right? And it's, it's you can't get more end of history than Claudio Sanchez singing like Mitch McConnell's obstructionist policies as if he's like, yeah, I'm owning them. But he he won. He literally did that on one. Yeah, he like, did it, he... and he won. You don't get to make a song like, what is the purpose of the song other than ha ha? What a what a funny joke. Wait, oh shit, they did it. Oh yeah, fuck. And, and that's oh, so oh, tempting fate because like at least with I descent. Um, you know, he did it after. And they did it. They went after. Yes. Yeah. yeah after the, the victory was. The we already victory. got the victory. And that's what I was trying to talk about with Jackson earlier. Is like this is such a worse. The Mitch McConnell one is so much worse. It's because so bad. they just yeah they were just like taunting the Republican Party who were you know keeping a stranglehold and like keeping everything from being even halfway decent uh, mm-hmm. and you know still are but uh, like then they got what they wanted and it's- now this joke's not funny anymore. It's it's baffling for them to try to do that in the first place because, like, you know, I think that realistically the motivation was, hey, people liked it and thought it was funny when we did this with Scalia. Why don't we just try to do it again with McConnell? Um, but, like, 
you know, A, it wasn't, like, at a moment of victory again, and B, like, Mitch McConnell didn't have the same type of, like, flowery language that, you know, led to... he just stands there and goes, oh, yeah, we will not be confirming the president. Yeah, like, it's... Uh, That's that's so weird, because, like, we talked about how the whole premise of the joke with I Descent is is that, like... Look at how crazy Scalia's language is. Yeah, it sounds like Kohi lyrics, haha. But, like, that isn't even the case with the McConnell one. Um, but I do want to loop back quickly uh, to what you were talking about this being a very BuzzFeed Hamilton Slack-assed song. And one of the other things that I found while I was trying to do a bit of research for this episode was um, a AV Club comment section on an article about I Descent, which was like just chock full of people going, yeah, Coheed sucks, but this song is epic. It's a total clapback. And like, <laughs> oh. That idea of, like, just not being able to leave out how much they all hate Coheed. I feel that. (laughs) It's great. Yeah, I hear you. I don't like when they're saying about things like detention zones and the star supremacy, but when it's Mitch McConnell's words being thrown back at him with a, like, whoa-oh sound on acoustic guitar, damn, that's the shit that gets me going. (laughs) (laughs) But, like, I don't know. I do like this song. I do like the song quite a bit. Like the song writing I like, is yeah. I definitely on the better good. end of their acoustic well, writing. Let's stop talking about the politics and let's talk about go back to talking about it in the like context of Kahit acoustic songs. Of course, yeah. Okay, uh, yeah, absolutely. So, um, like, you, Molly, you go because you've got a you've got a thing. Oh, I was gonna say that uh, Hannah asked me for a list of Kahit acoustic songs to compare this to, and I failed her tragically uh, because I only gave her one or two. Um, but Hannah, you had a list of acoustic songs to compare this one to, yes? Yeah, uh, yeah, we, I have, we like, had like, a list, right? Yeah, we have, like, we have, like, uh, this goes against, like, Wake Up, uh, yep. which is, like, the weirdest, gross love song in history. Uh, we have Pearl of the Stars, which is, we'll get there. Bad. Yeah. Bad it's, song. it's really bad, uh, and we'll get there. It's long. It, oh my god, it's so long! We have um, the final song off their latest record, um, which terrible. I think you guys have already shit-talked, even though you haven't gotten to that record. <laughs> Old, yeah, I mean, well, we talked about, like, um, some of that record, the new record, uh, the last song on it, what is it, fucking Lucky Stars? It's so yeah. fucking bad, dude. It is so bad. Well, I cannot stress it, it enough. Because, like, one of these albums is just going to end with a cover of the Benfold song, The Luckiest. Like, <laughs> where are we going? What it is is just going to end with um, them doing a cover of Ben Folds' cover of Bitches Ain't Shit. god damn it (laughs) that's something i haven't thought about in a while yeah yeah if we're talking about like cultural relics of what humor used to look like allegedly they're like a nightmare the 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 funniest people on the planet um are the people who like look at Jonathan Colton's cover of Baby Got Back and think that it's the weak ass version of Ben Fold's cover Well <laughs> 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 as if this matter like the two Labour's people having a fight over the Labour's shit on Earth. <laughs> oh god. Oh my god. I just realized that like Ben Folds did like this song essentially, like a couple years before. Because he wrote a, he wrote a song where the lyrics were entirely composed of um, excerpts from Levi Johnston's MySpace. This was the guy who um, 
was a boyfriend of Sarah Palin's daughter, and there was like a controversy during the 2008 Wait, election. Woo! This was a Ben Folds song. Um, the oh, the thing about uh, Levi Johnson's blues. Yeah, I think that was Ben Folds. Let me just check. Oh, it's not even technically a Ben Folds song. It's that from that album he did where Nick Hornby wrote all the lyrics for some reason. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ben Folds and but Nick Hornby. Le- Levi Nick Hornby Johnson's didn't blues. write these. Even this because Levi Johnston wrote this. Yeah. No, I'm. I'm sorry. I. I don't mean to say that. Um. That. Le- uh, that Ben Folds or Nick Hornsby or anyone was involved in the creation of this song. <laughs> oh yes, song. No, obviously. Yeah, yeah. I just want to clarify that for the listeners. No, the concept. I don't know that we had connected to the concept. But yeah, it, well, it's just the fact that like this idea of you know we're going to write like this sort of goofy acoustic political comedy song by just having lyrics composed entirely of somebody saying weird goofy stuff. Um. Mm. Like, that was very much in the air already with the, the Ben Folds thing, which I think came out a few years before this. Yeah, that would have been 2011, I think, is when the album was. Yeah, uh, so 2010, uh, 2010. going to blame Ben Folds for this song, at least tangentially. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> ben Folds, it's all your fault because you covered a bitch's name shit that one time. <laughs> oh, why'd you have to do that, Ben? You should never have done that. Yeah, but Rock in the Suburbs is a good song, though. Whatever. Yeah, like of of all the songs that you know uh, we just listed, the Coheed Acoustic songs, like this one, I think is better than all of those. Um, and I think <laughs> part of the reason why is that, like, especially with something like I think they're on Wake Up and Lucky Stars, um, Coheed really like putting these really saccharine string sections into their acoustic songs. Oh, they sure. Oh, do. yeah. And it's just like, mm-hmm. look, we're we're trying to do this like stripped down, kind of humble, quieter version, but we're still Coheed, so we're still gonna overproduce everything if we have any opportunity to do so. So like, oh yeah, we're gonna put the sappiest possible string backing on, and the fact mm. that like that's not here, and it is just a couple acoustic guitars and Josh having the time of his life. Like that's infinitely more likable. Oh yeah. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna enter this conversation and say the original first recording of Iron Fist where they played it at that Taylor Guitars acoustic so- show uh, is better than this. Um, but then they released a studio version of it that sucked complete ass. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, like I don't know. I think that I I'm not sure that I agree, but I think that it's in the same echelon. And I think that, like, when they do acoustic covers of their um, existing songs or, like, you know, a, an acoustic demo version, then, yeah, they can be pretty good. But the problem with the acoustic demo versions, because the live performances can be okay, but the acoustic demo versions, Claudio always does two separate vocal channels on the left and right speaker. <laughs> yeah, why? Claudio! What like, are you doing, he'll, dude? He'll be demoing the song, but then it'll have, like... Two separate vocal channels on left and right speaker, and then like more vocal channels for the harmonies, and they always have this weird ethereal vibe to them that just doesn't work because they're still demos of pop songs. It's not like he's actually being super experimental. It's really weird arrangements. Yeah, like he um, he can't stand the idea of a song being small. Like he has to be forced into it by you know some external constraints. And like if he has the opportunity, he's just going to add like five new channels of vocals back and like. <laughs> you know the string section or probably like there's like a weird echoey drum section on pearl of the stars i think 
And uh, I mean, the production of that album's all over the place. Yeah, he's just going to make those very questionable choices unless you lock him in a room where there is just a couple of guitars and some household objects for Josh to hit. <laughs> uh, I like um, subtraction. I think is it's definitely overproduced, but of the like overproduced coed acoustic ballads, I think that's the one I prefer the most. Um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I Coming think out that... here to defend subtraction. Apparently, Coheed song no one remembers. No, I no, honestly, I, I just don't about think it counts as an. I don't think subtraction counts as an acoustic song. What I, are you talking about? It absolutely does. I don't. I think it's got. I think it's got too much uh, uh, electronic backing if, to be an we, acoustic song. Like maybe. Like, that's, that's how I feel I about count. that. Like I think, yeah, that's the only thing I would count against. It. Otherwise, it's like an acoustic song. But I think it does uh, have too much electronic backing to it to really be called an acoustic song. That's fair. I mean, that's, that's part of the overproduction. Um, yeah, for sure. No, I like, for sure. I like the Afterman, but that's not an acoustic song. That just starts. The Afterman, like... yeah, it's it starts acoustic. It's but really um, good. But um, uh, the other one I was gonna say is the Here We Are Juggernaut acoustic cover is so intensely good and better than anything they recorded on Year of the Black Rainbow. I'm mad that I they just, didn't. I don't know if I've heard the acoustic version. Of I will that. link it's it really to you good. later. It fucking it whips ass. Yeah. It's it's really good and it's it's notable because like the. Uh, it sounds nothing like the song originally. Yeah, the album version of it is, like, it's far from the worst thing they've released, but, like, it's not a great song. And then just, uh, you know, for there to be this acoustic version that, like, completely changes the tenor kind of took me by surprise. Because, like, yeah. okay, it makes sense it's, it's that surprisingly good. a live I'll, I'll acoustic right version now. It's very good. Of, uh, of, like, a favorite house Atlantic would be good, right? Because that's a good song already, and you just got to, like, do a different yeah. arrangement of it. But it did not um, make sense to me that you can make "Here We Are" Juggernaut sound great. Yeah, that that, yeah, was, that it's wild, especially because it was like so riff driven. Like it barely even. Uh, it's not like a song with a traditional chord progression and um, under like the bass is also playing a riff, right? Like it it, it yeah. moves around in a way that. Jackson, in that case, I would say like click that link, listen to the first like thirty seconds, and tell me if you. No, I'm listening to it. I'm listening to it now, and I'm like, this isn't what the song sounds like. Yeah, it's nothing like the original song. But it fits. It works. I think it's really good. Yeah. I'm and here the- to talk about Coheed acoustic covers every single day because <laughs> I'm the I'm the idiot acoustic liker. That's me. Uh, the chords in this cover work on a much longer basis than the album. They're just doing like a one chord change every two bars. That's a, yeah. okay. This makes sense. I understand how this works. Um, okay, Hannah. Yes, you were saying. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I think that like this podcast has already established itself as like the idiot Coheed pop punk likers. Um, <laughs> yeah that's very and so true. like again the theme of this episode is doubling down uh you're now doubling down into idiot coheed yes. acoustic like i'm the well. kitty i'm the idiot coheed acoustic liker it's me i'm the only one probably but yeah, I'm, here. I'm not really a coheed acoustic liker i'm but, an acoustic um, liker in general uh mm-hmm. so i just wanted to hear these songs acoustically and i've dug out some good versions of them um like i re- i reject idiot I reject idiot. <laughs> no, uh, Do you descend? I absolutely agree. Like, I, Extremely smart Coheed pop punk liker. I, I yeah. love the Coheed pop punk songs. Like, I think I'm even more on that end of the spectrum than you guys are, I would say. Because um, like, I there were a lot of like uh, you know, Coheed's best, more like proggy, kind of slower paced, uh, big like battle song songs that like I'm not as into. Like I not the biggest fan of uh in keeping secrets the song fuck what me the, what why are you I, even here hannah i, I know sh- i like hannah you pop punk songs i like to suffer hannah like, you're you're valid i like a <laughs> you're valid i like island island whips yeah. oh, that's okay 
Fuck you, Jackson. It's all right. I just, I just uh, like yeah. it when you know he manages to trick himself into writing a pop song. <laughs> God, the Fame House Landing is so fucking good. Anyone else would write that song and then just rewrite that song for the rest of their lives, being like, "This is my job now. I write pop songs. This is what I'm going to do." Because uh, it's such an incredible pop song, and then they just didn't really do that that much. No, I mean they did release "Welcome Home" after that, so like they did a pretty good job for a little bit. <laughs> but yeah. Yeah. Um, anyway, if we're, if we're let's go, go further down this list. Yeah, yeah let's, let's keep going. Um, uh, let's see, what do we got here? Descent's uh, lyrics, some of the best out of any Coheed song ever. Yeah, I think we pretty much covered that one already. Uh, it it rules. Um, well, well, if I, you I can, we, I would say listen to that song. Yeah, I don't think we covered the lyrics necessarily. Like we talked about it being. Yeah, we like talked a, about the like politics of it, but not the actual words. Jackson, please look up some lyrics and read us. Some oh, lyrics you want me to read you the yeah, lyrics of? You, uh, this is still an episode, episode of the Amory Score, Jackson. Okay, I'm going to read these. These are all excerpts from you know, uh, uh, Antonio Scalia's like rather whatever. Um, what's the what the what are the what's the word? Dissenting opinions. Dissenting opinions. opinions. The Supreme Court. Um, absurd. You would think the answer obvious. So obvious there would hardly be a need for the court to hear it. The court's interpretations when renders words inoperative. Goes beyond giving words bizarre meanings. Words no longer have meaning. Understatement. Thy name is an opinion on the Affordable Care Act. I call attention to this court's threat to American democracy. Impossible possibility. The world does not expect logic in poetry. Same-sex marriage. I dissent. Uh, I think we can all tell from the way these words have been arranged. Uh, Claudio Sanchez did not do this. No, <laughs> Someone no way. who understands words put these in an order to like... There is a better sense of narrative to this song than there are to yeah, like mean, in almost every Coheed song. That's the thing. It's like with every Coheed song, even though like they're technically supposed to be telling a concept story, like you look at the lyrics and you're like, what the hell is this supposed to be saying? Like you just get hung up on the fact that none of the sentence structures make sense, that he's like decided to shove five syllables into a line where they don't belong. <laughs> uh, but here it's like, you know, it tells this story of like this, you know, bitter old man who's trying to come to terms with the fact that the world is leaving him behind and you know he's it's raging so much at more it. competent in terms of like telling a story like we understand politically and like what this represents as a thing to make as art is probably bad and very wrong uh but in terms of just competency of making words to like create narrative and meaning out of them uh it puts a lot of great stuff to shame it really does very simple and very direct yeah like th that line that you said in the chorus impossible possibility the world does not expect logic and poetry like that's the best line coheed has ever sung and they did not write it <laughs> Shout out to Antonin Scalia. Yeah. Coheed and Cambria claimed to be pro-life. <laughs> Died anyway, idiot. Died anyway. Yeah, we're just gonna, after this, I think we should all make a pact to vandalize uh, the Wikipedia article for Coheed and Cambria to add <laughs> Antonin Scalia as a former member. <laughs> Parentheses, 2015, songwriting. <laughs> yeah, I'm on it right now. <laughs> good. doing god's work holy shit god beautiful yeah uh yeah that's a that's a fun fun what a fun song they didn't write and <laughs> now jackson i do want to ask you because like you've been saying you know you could tell that this wasn't coheed 
Um, is that just because, like, you know, this is somebody else's words, this is Scalia's words, or like? No, I mean, you... you can tell that an actual songwriter put these lyrics together in an like whoever the funny or die uncredited writer that like made this song real uh, was definitely not Claudio Sanchez. It. it says written by Claudio Sanchez, but I, so we if are it was, on then board with why that conspiracy the theory. But like the genius page just says written by Claudio Sanchez. Um, I can't. I can't tell. I am that. assuming it wasn't him. I don't believe it was him because I think this is. If <laughs> I think it came out too fast for it to have been him. But I think if was it was him, this. then why are the words that he writes so bad? <laughs> <laughs> well, he just needed somebody else to like put them on the paper first, and then he was like, "Oh, this is a fun puzzle. I love puzzles." Uh, and then just started slapping stuff together. We just need to get him one of those refrigerator poetry magnet sets. Ooh, there we go. Yeah. Go fund me to get audio <laughs> as many words as he can on magnets. The world does not expect logic and go fund me. <laughs> Beautiful. God. Uh, okay. Uh, why we've t- okay? I think we've covered all topics presented. Now I think we've I think covered we where I descent stacks up. I think we've covered why the Mitch McConnell sucks sucks ass uh, on every level possible. Um, Correct. We uh, one thing I do want to talk about personally, me Molly on this episode is Hi, that cursed photo uh, of oh, Cody, no. of Claudio Sanchez with with oh. a regular man's hair on his Instagram. Now it is now I will preface it is fake. He looked like he got a haircut to make him look like an average '90s dad, and it's the worst thing I've ever seen in my life. It ruined my day yesterday. It's so cursed. I can't believe it's him. He looks like a dad <laughs> trying to pull off a Pete Wentz haircut. It's- <laughs> He it's... is a dad trying to pull off a bit. That's exactly what it is. <laughs> well, he looks like it. <laughs> For some reason, it resembles that. <laughs> so anyway, uh, it was revealed later that he did not actually cut his hair. Thank fucking God. That's well, the only... Cause... Claudio, it's the one thing you have going for you. I assume he's, like, got actual insurance on his hair because it's so... In... <laughs> but no, it's so fucking integral to, like, that band's brand and image that I bet he's got, like... At least. Do you think he's got uh, a trademark on that? Well, no, I would say more like, you know, like how, um, you know, singers get like insurance on their vocal cord injuries, right? And everything. Uh, oh, okay. It's, yeah, know, like, okay. It is an important part of who he is as a personality and rant. I bet he's got insurance over here on his hair that's at least like in the four figures. If like anybody lights thousand. his hair on fire, he's going to get fucking paid. Yeah, no. You don't think that's true? I think no. Now that you say, it, I think it's very true. I think he yeah. has to protect that dome. Uh, yeah, but he um, he like flipped off a hat at one of his shows, and everybody lost their fucking minds. Thank God, thank God, yeah, thank he, you, Claudio. He flipped off the hat to reveal that he didn't cut off his hat, which he should have done on like April Fool's, I guess. D- did it just all like kind of spring out in like this yes. massive? Yes, explosion? it's amazing. There's a, there's a video of it. Oh, yeah, so we good. we linked the video earlier. Um, it, it's on Instagram. You can go check it out. It's, it's on the Coheed Instagram versus the Claudio Instagram, uh, which for whatever reason are separate. But um, yeah, that's that's out there. You can go find it. It's a very cursed photo. Please do look at it, but also shield your eyes. There's two photos. One of them's even more cursed. Yeah. yeah the second one is more cursed because he's got like shaved sides of his head. I'm like, no, Claudio, no, no. Yeah, what happened today um, is that we, as we were about to record, uh, Molly invited me to the Amory Score Discord server, and, you know, I, like a fool, accepted, and the first thing that greeted me was this picture of Claudio with the <laughs> Wednesday, and I was like, was this just a setup this whole time? 
this whole time. Were they just tricking me? Yeah, this was all just a joke to make you look at bad photos. It worked out. It did. Uh, it did. It did. Yeah. Um, I'm sure. Tra- I'm, I'm looking scrolling up at- down Claudia's Instagram right now. We have one of the two of them sitting on a bed. Uh, Claudia and Chandra being as we come to the end of scripting Good A One Fear, we begin the outlining of Good A Two No World. So they will. We, okay. We'll have it at some point. We'll do that when they come out. Confirm. I cannot wait until 2020. Wait, this is a. This is from 2017. Fuck me. Why is it taking so long to make the comic? I mean, because no one wants to. Oh, I've scrolled so far back that I've got to the Kafefi and Cambria post. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> See that? That's, that's a perfect talk about button his, for this. His politics. Yes. Pokemon Go buy our album. Uh, but it's it, it's perfect on a million levels because like everyone makes the like jokes. It's like, oh look, it's uh, Co eating creme brulee, right? Like it's fucking like nonsense words. It's going to replace words. Uh, I remember those jokes being everywhere. So yes, that is they were made. They were made for this. It's beautiful. Yeah. Um, I think that's everything I wanted. I just wanted to talk about that photo because it ruined my day yesterday. Um, but yeah. thank you I for think, ruining my day. I too. think that covers like all of this stuff. Do you have anything more you want to bring up while you can, Hannah? No, I don't think so. I've had a lovely time. Oh, Excellent. I've enjoyed myself too. It's been a good one. It sure has. Podcasting. Um, I guess next time we'll have uh, the first songs from No World for Tomorrow. Then yeah, we'll we should have the No World for Tomorrow One song preview. an episode. We'll see. We... I will try, just because of how episodes work, to do the thing that we were originally going to do and record two episodes at a time um, so they can come out more frequently uh, because I like we've had less frequent episodes, but it's been fine because they've been longer episodes and more substantial because uh, originally the plan was for like 20 minute podcast a week. They have not been 20 minutes for a long time, but they mm-hmm. will be again because we literally only have the songs to talk about. These are remarkably brisk, though. The last podcast that I was on um, ended up being something like two and a half hours. And, uh, you know, I I had a great time. Uh, It was a wonderful experience. But I can't imagine who's going to listen to two and a half hours of me talking. Uh, You know, let me tell you, people listen to me talk about Totally Spies for over like two hours plus every week. So there's an audience for that shit. And it's called Bored People at Office Jobs. Oh, yeah. Totally Reprise. Excellent podcast. There's a great audience for that. Um, Jackson, get us out of here. Jackson, help. All right. Uh, thank you very much for listening, everyone. Uh, I am Jackson. I am at Hebbles up on Twitter. You can find the other podcasts I do on the Abnormal Mapping Network, abnormalmapping.com. Um, where can we find you, Molly? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at your friend Molly with a Y-E-R. Um, you can find me at audioentropy.com. And you can find me over at patreon.com slash Molly Reinback. And Hannah, where can we find you? You can find me at, at Hannah Yolo on Twitter.com. That's Yolo spelled Y-O-L-E-A-U. And uh, I don't have any regular podcasts. I just go on to other people's podcasts and cyberbully them into talking about Antonin Scalia. And how much it's good that he's dead. Oh, it rules. God, It him. fucking whips. Eat shit, Scalia. I hope you enjoy that ground, idiot. <laughs> Stupid.
absurd you think the answer obvious so obvious there would hardly be a need for the court to hear it the court's interpretation renders words inoperative inoperative goes beyond giving words bizarre meanings words no longer have Anything but accident. 